You're listening to Go Fish, exclusively on the Pod Station. Welcome everyone to the uh, the second episode of the Go Fish Marketing Podcast. Uh, each week we give you some marketing tips to hopefully help you make the most of your budget, uh, whether you're a single business or you've got plenty of employees and a nice budget to spare. Um, with me, I've got two cunning colleagues. I was going to introduce it individually this week, but actually I should do it a bit more like a boxing one because last week we got into a rather, I wouldn't say heated because that slightly over-exaggerates the pudding, but for marketing purposes, <laughs> let's exaggerate the pudding. A heated debate over whether sales was marketing, and this week we are going to determine that answer once and for all. So, in the red corner... Uh, weighing in at, we won't say because I'll get myself slapped, <laughs> is Chris Roxborough. Is this one of Mrs. Merton's heated debates? Do you remember those? Uh, I'm too young, Let's Chris. have a heated debate. Um, <clears throat> yes, I'm Chris Roxborough. Hello, everybody. Um, and I'm going to be fighting the corner for uh, the difference between uh, marketing and sales today. Fantastic. And in the blue corner, again weighing in it, we won't say, because she's looking at me equally as evilly. Right, uh, is is Elaine Atherton. Hello, yeah, and I'm certainly um, going to um, put my two penneth worth in, as we say, about sales, the difference between sales and marketing. So, yeah, looking forward to it, Chris and uh, Mark, of course. Of course. I'm going to remain neutral for the benefit <laughs> of this podcast. You two can duel it out and I'll mop up the blood at the end of it. Um <laughs> Just some quick housekeeping. For the benefit of the podcast, uh, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at go underscore fish marketing. Uh, we'd love you to put your comments and questions on there. If you do, can you use the hashtag go fish podcast just so we can find it? Um, if you'd like to email us, um, you can email us at gofish at thepodstation.co.uk. Um, any questions you might have either on the topics that we cover each week or if there's a topic in particular you'd like us to, to look at in the future. Um, there's also a host of other shows on the Podstation, which you can find at www.thepodstation.co.uk. With this being the second episode, and actually because we haven't had a podcast go live yet, we don't have any questions. At the moment, our main questions are, how do we switch this on? Should this be looking at me like this and blinking red? Um, <laughs> So that's just me and Chris, eh? <laughs> yes, absolutely. But that's all marketing, isn't it, Chris? That is marketing. <laughs> um, okay, uh, so we're going to each week we're going to cover a topic. This week, as we've already mentioned, it's sales versus marketing. Before we do that, we're going to try and touch on any news items that have cropped up over the course of the last few weeks that we think might be of relevant to you guys. Uh, in determining what your strategy might be, whether there's any bases you might need to cover. Um, have we got any news this week, Chris? Let's go to you first. A couple of quite appropriate ones, really, uh, for this. Uh, today, earlier today, there was a Twitter out outage for a number of hours down south uh, around the London area. And as it was around the London area, the, the world was thrown into uh, into into panic, as, as you would expect. Um, it just shows you how reliant we are on our social media and the fact that a, a, however many hours it was, it wasn't very long, can can really spook people and create that sort of uh, concern about, uh, uh, about a, a, a social media platform. 
there was a couple of younger, probably the younger generation who were going through withdrawal for this, <laughs> the majority of this morning. I'd say, yeah, and, and probably quite a few businesses as well, because businesses, some businesses rely on Twitter for their... Uh, for their their new leads, it's uh, it, it it's a worry if it if it happens on a on a wider scale. But fortunately, it was only London. Fortunately, it was only a few hours. <laughs> we say as we're recording in the northern part of the well, United Kingdom, yes, yes, and therefore we don't uh, care as much. Uh, hi to our London listeners, by the way. We don't yeah. mean it really. <laughs> we love you all, but there is a divide, and we're standing on this side of the line. <laughs> um, Elaine, have we got any news from you at all? Well, a small goodness. amount of news. I know it's uh, well, it's hard to avoid, isn't it? The uh, the old Brexit thing at the moment. I think we're all sort of sick sick of hearing about it. Even though, no matter what our thoughts are, are on the outcome, certainly we're all a bit sick of hearing it. But I suppose the big thing is is you know how does it impact our businesses really, isn't it? Is is what we need to, to think about. Um, so you know, some people I've spoken to have thought about it, others haven't, and really, I suppose it depends on whether you're a product. Um, Based business or service or what does that look like? Are you importing? Are you exporting? Uh, you know, do you work internationally? So there are lots of things to think about. But I think cutting through all of that really is is the point. Is um, if you look at your individual business, as as a salesperson, you'd probably expect me to say this. So I'm not going to disappoint you. Is that you know what are the opportunities there for you that may not be there now but could be there in the future, and how are you going to maximise on those? And uh, you know when I talk to people, I just think well. You know, good news to one person could be bad to another, and um, and vice versa. So you know, f- uh, the the old analogy of the fencer who repairs fences, and we every year, don't we? We have these high winds at some point. Uh, as the householder, you might be very frustrated if your fence is blown down. But if you're the the guy who's repairing and building new fences uh, or making new fences, then you know it's good business for you, isn't it? So there is always a good and and a, and a bad bit to to things. I think that's you know where I sit with it is look at your own business and see how is it going to impact you and are there opportunities there that or that might be there in the future that are not there already. So yeah. And from a marketing perspective, is there any sort of message you'd be trying to get out at the minute, Chris? With Brexit, you keep a, keep a very close eye on it. Does it impact on your business? Uh, as Elaine said earlier, with many businesses, it's not going to have any, any effect at all, any material effect at all. But uh, those producing products or in the import-export business, uh, they've got to take heed of the motorway signposts at the moment that are telling us to get our paperwork right before the 31st. I think customers need to understand that nothing's going to change or that everything's in hand mm. from a, a message point of view. Mm. Um, if your business is sending out that positive message that everything's going to be okay, you're still going to be around, they're still going to be able to get stuff in roughly the same time scales that they were after at this present moment in time, that's probably one of the main things that you want to be looking at. Oh, and perhaps we've already touched on this before, stay well out of the opinion on whether you are or aren't <laughs> for Brexit because <laughs> you will instantly divide your customers, I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but the, people are getting spooked by, by some of the stories that, that are coming out. And who knows the truth? But um, we're hearing both sides of the stories. They're both very extreme. And uh, the average man in the street or woman in the street does not know which 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 way it's going to go yet. 
Well, I don't think um, the politicians know that either, do they? No, so, well. so we've got not much uh, hope at the minute. But uh, yeah, I suppose that the other thing I would add to that is don't bury your head in the sand, really. If it's going to impact your business and you look, be thinking about it now, um, a crisis for you, if you've not done anything or not thought about what that could look like. Um, yeah. As Chris said, most of us, it's probably not going to impact us massively. Do, do you know, I've, I've told every client I've got not to mention Brexit in their social media. And so, and here we are talking about it on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, it, I, I guess yeah. it's not really talking about Brexit directly. It's no. the indirect messages mm. you want to try and uh, slip in there, the yeah. subconscious, yeah. everything's going to be okay. Yeah, yeah, so true. We've um, This week, Sainsbury's have mentioned that they're going to relaunch the whole Nectar Point system, which if you're a keen points mm. gatherer, which my missus always is, we always mm. have to wait a little bit longer at the counter while she gets the the nectar card out whereas i'm just desperate to move on <laughs> with my life um yeah they're moving it online which i, I suppose you're all thinking what's the relevance here but mm-hmm. part of the reason is they're, they're trying to drive it forward on a more digital platform so they want customers to use their website and their phone apps a bit more so that they they say to provide a more personalized shopping experience to make sure that any offers that crop up our offers which are relevant to the type of shopping that you do um, for the benefit of you guys listening it's mm-hmm. more a case of that is the way that the world is going where customers want that personalized that minority report mm-hmm. type experience where when you're walking through a shopping mall the the generic adverts are, are, are becoming a little bit of a an old school trait whereas they want them to be changing to to, to show something that's relevant for you and you know the mobile apps and the great way in which by offering point systems i mean we'll probably cover this and the topic in itself but being able to allow customers to gather loyalty bonuses will keep them coming back a great sales technique that no doubt elaine will touch upon well. in a minute whilst fending her corner <laughs> it's, it's all becoming increasingly more personalized isn't it mm. uh, and it won't be long before they're all uh, all, all the the big retailers are all all over that. In my former life as a lawyer, I was once dealing with a barrister who was working for a client. So I appreciate that sounds very convoluted of my cousin's <laughs> next door neighbour's dog. <laughs> um, but uh, she she had the client who had got a patent for um, an advertising system, which was intended to go into sh- you know large shopping malls um, across the world that would read people's facial patterns um, based on their social media photographs, Mm. take the information from their social media um, profiles and adjust. um, Go on. It's all right. Oh, it's gone. Can come at any point. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, that's a sneeze, by the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so they were were going to adjust the the advert to suit the person based Mm. on all that information. Of course... I was slight, I had a slight issue with it by virtue of if you so happen to have been looking at something like piled cream on the internet, whether whether whilst you're walking through a mall with hundreds of people surrounding you, you would want an advert for piled cream to pop up as you walk past. Um, hopefully there'll be a group of you there and you can all look at each other in a suspicious fashion going, is, is that your cream that you were looking at? But, in in all seriousness, that. it's quite scary, isn't it? Yeah. That? Well, I think yeah. the point is that technology is actually there yes. to do it it's Gosh. just whether we want it yeah, yeah. Mm. interested isn't it mm, fantastic okay so let's move <laughs> on to our topic of the week which is sales 
I've, I've put sales versus marketing. Now, <laughs> is this a myth, Elaine, that salespeople and marketing people don't get on? Well, I've never said that, I have to say. But um, I think, yeah, I suppose the, the view for me on sales and versus marketing is I, I totally accept that uh, a lot of people merge it together why wouldn't they um, because let's face it if you're a small business owner and uh, there you are you're, you're spinning all the plates and wearing all the hats then sales and marketing are massively intertwined and when I wherever I speak to you guys who are obviously both marketing people uh, you know a lot of your talk is the same talk as me so I totally get why there's this whole sort of putting everything together um, but I think if you if you were in a large company and um, you absolutely will get your sales department and your marketing department and they'll be very very different so so I think there's uh, I, I get it why people sort of merge them um, but I think um, where there's there is an overlap but there is certainly I am not a marketing person I can do some marketing but I am not a marketing person so I absolutely see this overlap but see there are other ends of the uh, of the spectrum of it and um, so for me I am definitely sales with a little bit of marketing is where I sit. Oh, she's come out punching in the first round, Chris. <laughs> certainly has, certainly has. Um, for me, sales is the uh, sorry, marketing is the is the strategy, the uh, the, the highbrow side, the, uh, the, the 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 setting it up side. Um, is that the eyebrow uh, or the highbrow? <laughs> Highbrow, um, and and sales is is execution is is going in there is is making the making the sale after marketing has has set it all up. I did take the trouble to uh, to have a look at Wikipedia because I believe everything on Wikipedia. And, I think uh, you're reading my article that I did this morning. <laughs> Wikipedia marketing is the process of communicating the value of a product or service to customers for the purpose of influencing buyer behaviour and or precipitate behavioral change it's a strategy whereas sale uh, the, the the selling of a product uh, is is in return for money or compensation having been set up by the uh, by the marketing strategy well good point well made however let me say before you can even do your marketing you need to know who you're going to sell to so the whole thing for me around the the marketing piece is that sales sits on either side of it. So if you don't know who you're talking to, how do you know where you're going to position or how you're going to position your marketing? So so for me, I see sales, the sales process, the sales thought process sits either side of the marketing. So. I think we can almost agree there, Elaine. Oh, well, no, that's boring. No, no, no. You've just but, ruined it, Chris. No, but, hey, well, I, I, I'm just going to emphasize the, the 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 role of the marketeer in here because um, uh, I think it's true that uh, the 80/20 principle, the Pareto principle, 80% uh, of your sales comes from 20% of your customers. The it's the marketeer marketeer's job to identify where those 20% are, given information from the sales team as to uh, as to who they are, what they look like. Uh, in some cases, what their postcodes are, so we can find more of those uh, more of those types of houses, because we're all, from a marketing point of view, we're all pigeonholed into into categories. I think uh, uh, Experian's um, mosaic system has has us pigeonholed into something like sixty seven, sixty eight different categories. So we are all uh, dubbed a certain type. Um, 
And when the marketeers will be looking for, uh, when they get their information from sales, they'll be looking for lookalike audiences. So, okay, that's that's who our sales, that's who our sale, where our sales come from. Where can we find more of them? Do we have their postcode details or do we have profiles? So it depends on what you're selling. If you're selling to the public, you'll have you'll have uh, postcodes. If you're selling to business, you're more, more than likely going to have a uh, an industry profile, and it's finding more of uh, more of the same. Mm. I think the challenge is, isn't it, is is if we, we sort of put the hat on of a small business owner, and they are, you know, they're wearing all the hats, aren't they? I think it's the the bit that I find when I talk to small business owners is is well, they they've got their expertise in their product or their service. But actually, it's like who who are they going to to sell to? So so for me, that is a is a, a massive part of it. And I I totally agree that then um, part when I go through through with people about their sales processes, part of that is well, how are you now going to market it? And you you know unless you're you've got some level of expertise, you're not going to be able to do that yourself. And I I think that you know is a can be a challenge can't it when you you know you're running your own business and you I know you work the same mm. Chris you've got a lot of small businesses have clients of you and it's it's that the two the two interlock that much that you can't you can't do without them together you really yeah. can't and there's a huge element uh, missing here as well and and Mark you uh, you advise clients on branding don't you yes um, now the branding process is a massive part of marketing and, and making yourself appealing to the target market. For me, sales seems to be more of a one-on-one. You're aiming for something quite specific, whereas marketing can be a bit more mm. generic within a smaller category. So you might try and focus your marketing on a particular type of client, but it's still going to be a more of a generic, whereas the sale is almost converting what you've promised into a more tangible uh, product or service and and branding is quite an important part of that because branding i would say is more the marketing side of things it creates that atmosphere that that ethos people can decide whether or not it's it's a company that they want to mm. engage with when they ultimately engage with you that's becomes more of the sales aspect and the two as you said before have to be linked they have to be consistent if mm. The branding has told somebody one story and the sales aspect is telling someone a different story. Instantly, you start to raise suspicions as to whether or not what they're going to get at the end of this journey is Mm. going to be entirely different to what they were hoping for. And that's when you tend to see people bailing out. Yeah, no, and it's and it's I think that's as we have said already isn't it that the language we we all speak we do speak the same language so it, it you know we know that we are very much intertwined aren't we because when i talk about sales i talk about the, the branding absolutely because that is part of in my world part of the sale because how do, how are people going to identify you so it's all part of your process of of people knowing who you are you are what problems you're going to solve and all those things sort of linked together so so i think yeah I, we, we I have think, to agree I, don't I, we we well, are very we do we're coming from a different perspective <laughs> though because chris is essentially saying that the sales aspect is the back end of the marketing process mm. you're saying that marketing is actually just a tool within the sales process which are two very different yeah, things true it's it's actually continue fighting. It's actually it's actually a virtuous circle, isn't it? Yeah. Because the two have to work together. Mm. Sales have to supply marketing with information for marketing to 
to find and identify more of more of the target market to be able to say to sales here you are we've done this campaign here's all the leads over to you yeah uh, and then the circle starts again the cycle and it starts does. again no and, and the, the other bit to to that is once you've got the leads and the information is is can your sales team or you if you're if it's your business can you then have you got the skills to actually to use your word execute the sale um so you know there, there is a there's a whole as you say goes around it in a yeah. loop doesn't it it's yeah. no point in do spending a lot of money on marketing if you actually then think i can't ring these people or i can't do that or uh, or don't have a process to support it or you know so the it's just, it's all a bit of a minefield, isn't it? Really, I think. What I mean, what would your sort of advice be to a small business owner, somebody who's literally starting off and um, they're spinning all the plates, and they're you know they've they've got their product, they've got their service uh, that they they feel confident in. They're an expert in that. You know, where do they do they start then? Well, that's a brilliant question because there are so many marketing avenues. Mm. <clears throat> I did a, a quick tot up this morning research. You see. Uh, 126 I came to before I got a bit tired of it and I just thought, well, there's an awful lot. Gosh. Um, yeah. It'll come down to some tried and trusted ones, but there will still be a place for, you know, the the, the local person who uh, there was somebody in a workshop of mine a few weeks ago and her, her, best, her best method of uh, promotion was... In, in a church magazine. She was a staunch member of the church. She put an advert in the church magazine. It's tiny, tiny business, um, but she got all her business like that. That's mm. uh, incredibly niche, and it, n- nobody else I know could be able to do that. But it just shows that there are there are horses for courses. Well, that's, that's a great mm. example of sales and marketing coming together perfectly because part of the sales process is having that relationship, building that relationship and carrying it through to the making a decision. Mm-hmm. When you're approaching a, or you're marketing to a, a community, a small community of which you are a part of, then your relationship aspect is mm. almost already done, isn't it? So it's yeah. a great way of tapping into an existing um, client base where you don't even have to do the relationship bit because they already know you. They probably see you every week when you go to the wherever it is the church or the football club so they know you they trust you so all you've got to do is make sure that your service and your pricing are all right from a marketing perspective and that you make sure that you follow that through in the sales Mm. part yeah that was a bit of an extreme example on the small end of the scale but um the other common platforms uh email marketing if you still have an email list that hasn't been absolutely decimated by gdpr a couple of years ago if you've still got that uh, that list and it's uh, it's a good one that will continue to to produce results um obviously social media but i would say that wouldn't i um your <laughs> your website is crucial i mean mark you build websites you, you'll know uh, you'll know the the importance of a website to to a company in marketing terms well, again, that could be part of a sales process, can't it? Yeah. If you sell stuff online. Yeah. Yeah. No, exactly. I think, and I mean, I know we've every time we we speak, there's a there's always like, oh, let's scribble that down for you know another topic because there is um, there is always that that uh, 
dilemma, isn't there, for a small business owner of all those people out there who could help me, which one is going to be the best for me, um, in, in particularly in marketing, because um, and also in sales, but in marketing, you, you could get help or input or all sorts of things. But actually, when people are parting with their money, they want to be sure that that person is going to be the one that can help them because... Um, because it, there is so many different routes to, to market, isn't there, if you yeah. like. So um, I, I think that's perhaps something we can touch on on a, on a you know, future session of how do, you, how do you, you know, some top tips on how do you almost filter out what you need and what you don't need. What, selecting a marketing channel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think it would be, you know, quite, quite key that really to a lot of people. And realistically, it isn't going to be just one marketing channel, no. is it? It's uh, it's a, a number of marketing channels all contributing to the sales funnel. Yeah, I mean, it's almost there doing it the other way. Sales and marketing working <laughs> together. This is outrageous. I know. I've built this oh, up as a look. war. <laughs> I know. So what does a bad sales process look like? Well, a bad sales process is, is well, usually starts ad hoc. So a, a non-existent, um, not, not thought through the steps to market, really, to use that, that phrase. So um, so for me, there, there are really key, seven key things that you, which I'm not going to go into now, but seven key things that you need to consider when you're creating your sales process that you've got to, to look at they might not all be right for you you might not need to do them but you need to consider them before you even start to think about who you're speaking to and what you're going to say because um, as as we know people buy because they're solving a problem or they're fulfilling a need or whatever that looks like so so it's it's that bit can actually take so much longer than the rest but if you don't get that bit right and you're talking to the wrong people uh you know it, it can go horribly wrong so for me that is a fundamental part of not just if it's your own you know a small business owner but you know a company looking at the sales process when did you review it last you know who is it that you're talking to has the demographic of your client changed because the, the climate's changed or whatever that looks like so so for me it is that revisit review is it doing what you wanted to do um and and of course you only know that by if, you, if you're analyzing your results which is all part of the process because you've got pushy salespeople. now that's a bit of enigma Ooh. for me because you've got i know people who are fundamentally pushy salespeople, people who just put me off wanting to do business and buy their products however their businesses do quite well so what is it that they're doing that's working and Am I am I just a grumpy so and so who should just accept that they're just selling well, just not in a way that I like, or are other people feeling bullied into it? It's it, it's a really good question. What I do you, think, what's I your think thoughts, you've hit Chris? the nail on the head yeah. there. Um, you're a grumpy person. No, it's not. <laughs> no, Mark. I think I you think, know me so well. I think most of us. Uh, I think most of us would. Um, be a bit wary about the uh, the archetypal double glazing salesman, if you like. That's unfair on a lot of double glazing salesmen, but but the ones that got the reputation in the nineties mm. and noughties, they are th- th- when you when you think of a pushy salesperson, that's what you think of. I think there's there's being pushy and there's there's knowing what's right for a client and trying to to encourage them to uh, to to buy which is which i guess is what you teach earlier. yeah totally yeah and it, it is you've you've as the inverted commas seller um you've got to tap into the world of your, of your potential buyer 
and it's, and it obviously depends on how you're selling, isn't it? Really, whether it's face to face, but it, it is about understanding those that person's needs. Pushy in my world is not not the route, um, but there are you know we're all different, aren't we? And equally, I've seen people who actually don't even get to the close because they think I don't want to be pushy. Well. You know, if somebody's come to you and they want, they're interested in your product, you've got to have some sort of closure of mm. some kind. And and uh, they've left sort of people hanging, thinking, yeah, but they would have said if they wanted it. Well, no, that's a part of our job is to to actually ask the question. So so it is, and it is a lot of it's being comfortable with what you're doing as as an individual because we're not all the same, are we? No. And there are, you know, there are those people who will do it in a different way. And there are the other myth that um, is always out there is, oh, you have to be an extrovert to be a, a salesperson. You absolutely don't. No, no. It's not about, about that. It's, uh, I think I said it in the last one is, you know, is somebody said, oh, is, is helping the new selling? Well, no, a lot of people have always done it that way. It's not new. Helping is what they do. And in turn, they get this, you know, the sale because the person wants to buy it. So I could talk about it all day. So anyway, what's your thoughts on that one, Mark? Well, is is there a distinct difference between just having a slick sales process and being pushy? Because you've just mm. mentioned there, people don't always make the mind up straight away. Some people get distracted. Some actually mean to do it. It falls down the list of things that they've got to do. So do you need a process in place that just prompts at the right times in a nice pleasant way just to bring it back to the surface or is that in itself being slick pushy because pushy for me is ringing twice on the same day 24 hours after you come in I think my my, my dad was looking at buying a car a few weeks Mm -hmm. ago and he, he went in had a look was quite keen on the car but since then has received three emails a week from that company to the point where he's actually he still kind of wants the car, but he's loath to buy the car yeah. because at that point he feels like he's almost condoning the behaviour that's it's irritated the hell out of him. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, th- there is a there is a statistic that infuriates marketeers, and that is that um, the vast majority, and I'm I, I'm going from memory here, which is always dangerous, but um, mm-hmm. uh, from memory, it's uh, over eighty percent of salespeople will give up after the first follow-up and there's a few percentage more yeah. a few percentage more will will do a second call mm. a few percentage more will do a third call very very few people go more than five calls to, to follow that up because they think oh well I'm, I'm being pushy here but a decision hasn't been made you haven't been told no please don't ring me again you're off yeah. yeah exactly um but you haven't been you haven't been given that red light so there is a there is an argument, and potentially, you know, you, you, your father falls into this group, or rather, the salesperson trying to connect with him does. That that person is going to be successful because he's tenacious or she's tenacious. Mm. They're not giving up. They're, they're they're following it through. And I'll I'll dig the statistics out perhaps for next time. Yeah, next time I've we got do the subject, well, but yeah. um, mm. it is it is a fabulous uh, a fabulous incentive for salespeople to just carry on and make make that call, carry on, carry on, carry on until you're told no, I don't want yeah. it. No, and I I do agree with you because um, part of the sales process that I cover with people is 
where what does your pot of maybes look like uh, one of the biggest loss of sales is the maybes because nobody followed up with people and they left them there because they think well they didn't say yes yes but they didn't say no either so it's so you know maybe should always be kept in touch with i think that, that we could debate it all day couldn't we because the other flip side to that is knowing your nose so why would people say no so potentially mark's dad will now say no because he you know he he feels like he's been pushed into it so so it's you know it's a it's a fine line isn't it it is do you yeah. feel mark's dad sorry to make it personal no it's, it's all right <laughs> to be honest can i just put in some context i am my father's son so that he, he does carry the same grumpy approach to life that i i also carry no, well, like you say, I'm I'm the same. I don't like to be to be pushed. And um, funnily enough, um, I was going doing a, an exercise of like different types of characters and profiles ex- yesterday. And um, you know, we're all different, aren't we? Some people like to reflect on a decision. Some people like to, you know instant. So therefore, if I was the instant person, then you need to to ask me pretty much. Well, you know, are we going ahead? Whereas if I'm the reflector, that you know, as a good salesperson, you will read that person, read the signs that actually, if I if I push this a little bit more, this person's going to say, I'm off, you know, and not ever come back. So you've got to be able to read the person that you're selling to, in a in a positive way of understanding where they're coming from and what reservations they might have. Uh, so I, I'm absolutely all about the follow up, but I think you. There is a there is a fine line in too much too soon, um, what that looks like, and you know, are we all are we always going to get it right? Absolutely not, because what be right for one person won't be right for another. Because there's a short term and a long term thought process here. Because short term, his desire for that car might be so great, or his need to get a car might be yeah. so great that he just goes ahead of it despite that. However the badgering that he underwent during that sales process may be such that when it comes to replacing the car in a couple of years time he might go out of his way to avoid going back to that place so okay you might have succeeded in selling one car but perhaps if you'd approached it slightly differently you might have got two three four a lifetime's worth of sales from that yeah. individual yeah. and you've put them off coming back to you in the future. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's a hard one. And you know, in all of this, what what the reality is, is as the buyer, which we're all buyers, aren't we, in, in some shape or form, we very rarely will speak up to how we, we are not happy with that type of... So we're not going to say to the salesperson, actually, you need to back off now because I'm not happy with what you're doing. And what we'll do is we'll tell other people and we'll feel, you know, uh, uh, frustrated by it. But we don't always, which we probably should, is say, actually, do you realise you've lost my sale because of of the way you've uh, persisted with this? Um, and so therefore the salesperson will be think, oh, well, you know, there we are. I don't know what I did wrong there, but they've, they've disappeared. Or they might get the sale because of their persistence. So it's a hard one, isn't it? But we don't necessarily give feedback, do we? No. Um, no. We just get a bit disgruntled and tell other people how we feel. <laughs> and presumably there's a, there's a difference in advice for someone who is a sole trader and is therefore representing themselves and their mm. own business in the sales process. And those businesses who have staff who will be doing that for them um, what sort of difference in advice would you give to a business owner who has staff who are doing the sales process? For example, do they need to have scripts? Is there any sort of training that they should have to make sure that they're correctly representing that business? 
well, yeah, I think for us as sort of sole traders, well, small business owner, um, whatever you feel, it goes back to your, your brand, your ethos, your principles and everything. So whatever you feel is right for your clients um, and you, you've actually already tried and tested it, if you like, yourself. So when you, you know this is, the, this is the process that works generally for our client base and that obviously that is then what you replicate for people when they come into your business and you're training them because you you know your your reputation can totally um go us completely down the drain if you've got people doing something that you it doesn't fit with your brand because they are replicating and representing your brand aren't they so yeah it's it's you know it's not 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 always easy actually i've got a question for you chris uh, what do you know the um from digital marketing point of view and um you know when we're because we're big brothers out there all the time, isn't it? So we'll we'll look at something online. We might even click into, uh, look at, I say, I don't know, any any website really, we're buying something. So we click onto it and then we get this little message then oh, uh, through or an email saying, uh, oh, it's still there or, or, you know, or something, or, or uh, haven't you made your mind up yet? Or I mean, that's quite, quite... Clever. Cl- well, I was going to say scary, <laughs> but we'll go with clever. <laughs> It's quite amazing, isn't it? How um, it's, that happens. It's certainly very clever, and yeah. it's also very simple as well. Is it? Um, ah. Yeah, I, th- I, I guess you're talking about um, perhaps going on somebody's website looking for, I don't know, a holiday or whatever. Yeah, yeah exactly. And then you, yeah. you go back onto Facebook, and yeah. um, and suddenly there's that holiday you were looking at uh, on Facebook on the right hand side. Yeah. Is that the sort of thing? Well, yeah. I mean, I've even had um, had an email through whether it's i don't know the piles cream <laughs> oh it's gosh. something like that you've Mark. caught me out i know i can't even remember what it was but it's happened a few times that i think oh you put something in the in your basket and then you think oh yeah i'll come back to that or you might then go on another site and think oh look i found a better one um and, uh, and the original sites then sort of reminding you uh via a, uh, i'm sure it was an email uh that oh you've still got so in your basket um you know don't leave it too long type of message I think it's very clever, isn't it? If it was an email and and you've put it in, you've put it in your basket, mm. then they've you've given them your email address yeah, at yeah, some yeah. stage. So yeah. that I think that one's pretty pretty straightforward yeah. to to explain. The, the the clever one is uh, is where is where an advert will just follow you around yeah. on Google on Facebook and and so on and so forth. Yeah. But but we as small businesses can do that using. Uh, Using Facebook's pixels on uh, right. on our website, and presumably, wow. Chris, you would include the sales team. Uh, would that then include perhaps your staff in the marketing strategy that you might want to apply to generate those sales, so that there is that consistency between the two? Yeah, it would all be uh, any any retargeting like that would all be part of the part of the strategy that hopefully you would uh, you would make your marketing department and your sales department aware of everything you were doing so mm. that they were they were um, covered for all eventualities yeah would you seek their input though the sales team i, I know we're treading <laughs> a, I'm, I'm trying to instigate another fight here um, I, 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 sales and marketing is quite different marketing sales is uh, is heavily results driven and personal targets driven and, and, and so on. And marketing is for the company rather than the individual. Um, that's I'm possibly possibly not explaining that terribly well. No, but, you're not, no. Um, <laughs> no. No, in fact, can we cut that lot? 
We'll see. What do, you, what do you reckon, Elaine? I know, coward. You've, you've got him on the ropes there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I think, as I would like to say, that marketing and sales are for the greater good of the company, that whether it's your own company or somebody else's company. So um, I think for me, if as a as a salesperson, is you, you've, you've got this vision of what you want to achieve and the marketing whether that's a team or you or somebody it's you're communicating bringing, yeah, yeah is is this is what i want will you help me get it if if we're putting it in very simple terms isn't it is is um we know we want to achieve this will you now put together something that's going to help us achieve that uh, and i wouldn't question the marketing person because they're far greater knowledge than me Although I might have a little bit of input, you know, I might have to say something. We're, we're back to the beginning, aren't we? Strategy and execution. Yeah. Um, and for, for me, that's that's how it'll always be. The the marketeers will be the strategists, and the, uh, for want of a better word, the salespeople will be the executioners. Wow. <laughs> wow. So I suppose we could agree, though, that they're all. Well, you've stopped using these poor. nice, pleasant words. <laughs> Important like, like, like each other. <laughs> they can't. They don't work without each other. That's the thing. The point here. They have to. They have to both be there, don't they, to be successful? Okay. So we've we've covered we've covered being too pushy. We've covered um, making uh, making sure that your persistence exists, but is done in a in a, a correct manner. What what other shortfalls do you tend to find with sales? Is there ones the slipping through the the net? Mm. I guess is a a big one. People either not following up or not utilizing yeah. um, resources to actually make a sale. It is. It's the the, the biggest dropout. Really, is um, lack of consistency. Really, um, when you've got your strategy, you know your marketing strategy, your your, your sales strategy, your plan is is actually doing it and implementing it and do it consistently because it all goes back to how are people going to remember you if if you're there one week and they're not there for another six <laughs> they're not are they so you know people buy when they need things um timing is key so if you're if you're not keeping in touch with people when they are ready to buy you mightn't be the person on the top of their list because they've forgotten about you so it consistency is key and there's so much noise now there's so much the market's so huge isn't it to get yourself remembered and recognized branding is key with that so uh, but it's also being consistent in what you do and people get to know you and it's the, the know like and trust isn't it particularly if you you know you're a sole trader you're a, a small business owner uh, that is um without doubt one of the, the the biggest things that people just think oh, i'll just try it and that didn't work um and then not do anything then because that must drive marketeers crazy chris <laughs> when you're creating a fabulous strategy that's generating all of these leads and then somebody's not picking it up and well, of course, carrying then, it over the line then the sales team will say strategy doesn't work <laughs> it, it, it it's it is a fact actually if you've, if you've got a if we've got a sales team that isn't motivated, then this impacts on the on the overall results, and the marketeers will get it in the neck because the because the strategy didn't work, unfortunately. Um, but they'll come back with another strategy, and uh, they'll 
point out the uh, the deficiencies of the sales team. There, there, there is, there we are, we're no, back onto the no, fight. No, yeah, here but, we go. But there, there is there can be conflict within companies between marketing and sales. Yeah, there can. Yeah. Um, and it is it is with with a demotivated sales team, and that's probably not the sales team's fault. It might be it might be a a problem that's higher up. I mean, if we're talking football terms, it might be something some a club like Tottenham where there's there's a problem higher up, and it's it's impacting all the, all the way down. Down at the moment, and, and uh, <laughs> what what causes a sales team to be demotivated? Oh gosh, that's like the million. And how do you question, rectify it? it? Well, I, I, I'm a believer in this. It's there's a skill or will thing, isn't there? So uh, unfortunately, some people end up in a sales job and, and actually um, don't feel that they perhaps had the try a training or enough training or support, and and they're sort of thrown in at the deep end a bit. So. Worst thing, of course, then is lack of confidence. They're not going to have the confidence to ring people or follow things up. So, so that I, you know, I get what Chris is saying. It, it's it's so there we are presented with a whole load of leads, um, and um, people, oh no, you know, can't get hold of them. Not doing this, not doing that. Uh, and I, I probably one of my uh, stories around that was many moons ago. Um, I was in a company, and they were we had a load of leads to call, and um, there was a person there who was very experienced being in the real long time and uh we all had this list and we were all going to call some if people up we were all on our phones and uh, I, I sort of sense this person was feeling quite uncomfortable about it and um anyway I thought oh gosh she doesn't look like she's very comfortable doing that and then the next thing her phone she was talking to somebody but her phone rang so she clearly wasn't speaking she was to fake anybody phone, I know and uh, but you know that the, the the learning of that is actually if we're not confident doing something, we need, we need to be able to speak up. And unfortunately, the infrastructure in some companies is not doesn't allow that. It makes it like this big failure, and you should be doing this, and you should be doing that. So, so this training, I, I believe, is is a is a massive thing. And some of the, the the things are very fixable quite easily, but it's just you know understanding the the people and the individuals really. So, yeah. Okay. You run a workshop that's for the accidental salesperson. That's what you call it, don't you? Yes. Um, yeah. And if that had been around very many years ago when I was a young salesperson, um, that would have been great for me. But I was an accidental salesperson. Yeah. I got lucky fairly fairly early on. Yeah. But if I hadn't got lucky, I might have become one of these demotivated uh, demotivated people that, that we've just been talking about. Yeah. And, you know, sales isn't for me. And no. So there is a, there was certainly at that stage a, a bit of luck was uh, was necessary. Yeah. Now you've mentioned training. Yeah. Um, what about financial incentives, bonuses, Ooh. commission? <laughs> which is more important, or which is more useful? Is there a balance between the two? Mm. I, I've just given you the get out, haven't I? Really, yeah. you can't answer. You can't use the last one, but it, is there is the one that you would always try and recommend people use more than the other? Oh, that, you know, again, that's a toughie, isn't it? I mean, I, you know, a lot of my background came from very much uh, commission-based and incentive, um, and that was me personally. Now, I'm, I'm very driven by that. Um, I think that the flip side to that, if people use it in the wrong way, it can, it can bring out... Because it's all behavioural then, isn't it? So if, if, if you're incentivising 
a certain type of person, they may may then turn that into a real negative and they do it in a very aggressive way. They'll sell because they're driven by this goal. Um, so, but I do think there's a lot of merit in, in incentivizing if it's if it's done in, in the right way and you really have to work hard at, at getting the incentives right f- for the right people and know your team. Um, so I probably that's where I, I, I sit on it, but I, I have seen hugely negative things as well but it's that's for the company to get get it right for their business and team really what do you think chris well i've seen both sides as well some some hugely negative stuff uh, of of people being incentivized and um and it going so should we say a little bit pear-shaped i might tell you after the podcast is over <laughs> Um, it's all right, guys. We'll leave the uh, recording going. But but equally, equally, um, financial incentives do work. However, um, if they don't have the techniques and they haven't had the learnings from the likes of uh, your workshops, Elaine, um, then uh, then they're they're still going to be floundering around, no matter how uh, how financially incentivized they are, unless they're one of these naturals who can uh, uh, sell ice to the Eskimos, that sort of uh, that sort of person. But um, but no, I, I think I think there definitely is, and it's not sitting on the fence. I definitely do think there is a balance between being shown how to do it and being incentivized. I'm going for the training. I, I think um, training is more important. Having training and structure, mm. which can then be applied f- through the sales process yep. to then achieve the sales and the commissions and the incentives, is how I see it um, from a personal perspective. I was never motivated by bonuses and commissions. It, if someone said to me, if you sell X amount, you'll get more money. I would actually be already aiming for that figure by virtue of I wanted to achieve it by doing a good job and just through my own personal motivation. Um, so I'm not a hard sales person. I will just keep going mm. as hard and as long as I need to do it to do the job, whereas some people need that dangling that golden carrot. But I think whichever type of person you are, if there is the same structure, and then you can always gear your, your, your incentives, can't you, to, to suit people like me, mm. where I might have a a larger basic salary uh, and a lower bonus because it doesn't matter how much of a bonus you give me, I'm not going to work any harder. Or those people who just need a big bonus to keep them working harder because I know some people who are naturally quite, what's the word I'm looking for, lazy, Um, (laughs) who are naturally lazy and are forced to have to do graft Mm. because if they don't, they don't get the money they need to pay the bills. Whereas with me, I would just do that same amount of work irrespective you're going for training and i i I hark back to two two or three years after i started as a a a young salesperson i was sent on a an institute of sales management is that still going i have no idea i was sent on a on a (laughs) workshop on on a course that that, no a a residential course they did in the uh, um in stratford on avon it was absolutely beautiful um and the one thing that turned the corner for me in sales, I suppose, was um, was seeing myself videoed because I used to used to think, oh, you, you sound dreadful. You look, you, you must look awful. You, but seeing myself videoed doing the pitch that I would normally normally do to to a client, and I took it away. Didn't dare watch it there. Took it away. Watched it sort of midnight after everybody was in bed when I got home, and I thought, actually. That's not bad, <laughs> and that that gave me such a boost in confidence that that I was so much 
I looked uh, and and sounded so much better than I felt inside. It it was a real confidence mm. booster, and I'd recommend yeah. that to anybody. Yeah, interesting. Yeah, no, and I've seen that work the other way. That got, you know, some good people have <laughs> have got, gone down the pan because they thought, oh my god, is that what I look like? I can't possibly do that ever again. So it's um, it is it is interesting, but yeah. And back to what Marks said, training is key in 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 everything, isn't it? It really is key if we're going to do a job properly. Um, we need to have the right training um, and we're all motivated in different ways. It's a simple answer, isn't it? <laughs> okay, so to round things up, I'm going to call it a tie. <laughs> so right. we're all being very diplomatic today. Uh, I think that's a fair comment. Yes. Um, to, to round things up, quick point that you might, a recommendation that you would make to a listener, Chris, in terms of getting your marketing and sales departments to speak together communicate properly liaise in in writing the strategy in 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 the first place um two heads of department or if it's not as big a company of that all the people that are involved sit down what do we want to achieve what are our goals what are our aims um how are we going to get there what are the milestones and if they all buy into that strategy at the uh, at the outset um then there's a better than even chance of success and obviously, Elaine, aside from utilising your services to sum it up, <laughs> um, would, would, what would you say once they've done that strategy, once they've got that in place, what, what would be the next recommendation that you would, you would make? Well, I, I'll tell you, I'm going to flip, flip that there because as the voice of the small business owner who's actually doing all of that themselves, I think, that, I think they, they will mention them here really because... Um, because Chris has like hit the nail on the head there, you know, in a bigger organisation, you, 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 if you sat down together with the common goal and worked it out together, it's, it would just make life so much easier. But if we're looking at the small business owner, what you know, what do they do when they they've got to talk to do, themselves in the mirror? Well, this is it, isn't it? You know, it's it's a it's a challenge, isn't it? And there's so many options out there. Um, but I can't stress enough of how you've got to be clear on who you're speaking to, really, and. Um, and then definitely in another topic, we do we need to talk about what, what routes would you take and what routes are right for you and just get that little filter going, really. Because if you can't, if you don't know who you're speaking to and you don't market it in the right way, and then you're not going to have any any customers to convert uh, or leads to convert into customers anyway, because it's not going to work. So there's, there's a lot of groundwork to be done. So to be continued on that one, I would say definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, if, if any of these topics have spurred a question, a key question in your mind, um, send us an email at um, gofish at thepodstation.co.uk. We will receive those emails. Um, Elaine will particularly be able to pick it up. What's your, what's your website address, Elaine? My, web, my email address or my website? Well, both. Yeah, well, my email is Elaine uh, at tosummitup.com and my website's same. So it's well www.tosummitup.com. And that's for particular sales information. You can work with people, can't you? Do training courses and the like. Yeah, I do a host of stuff. Um, you take a look, you know, look at my LinkedIn profile. What sort of stuff do I do? Um, for me, there's a variety. I, I love the variety. So anything to do is bespoke stuff. Um, so yeah, ha- have a look and see what uh, whether I'm the person that can help you or not, as the case may be. And if you have any particular opinions on who won that battle. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to go onto our social media. Give us a follow, a like, a share. It's uh, at go underscore fish marketing. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. We've got a LinkedIn page as well. Um, 
if you could like us on iTunes, um, give us a five star review. Anything less than that, and uh, um, we'll come find you. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be colouring stars in. Yeah, um, and and like and share it with your friends. Let us, let, mm-hmm. let them know about it as many people as possible. That'd be fantastic. There's also a host of other shows, as I've mentioned, on the Podstation.co.uk. Uh, we can find a raft of other things. You might even catch our dulcet tones on the uh, the BNI Genesis Networking podcast. Chris, you've already been interviewed, haven't you? I have indeed. And, yes, and Elaine, you remember you it well? Yet. No, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> um, okay, well, if that's if there isn't anything else, I'm gonna go and let Elaine and Chris um, mop up their wounds, and I'll <laughs> I'll clear up after them. There's a, a broken tooth down there on the floor. I'll, I'll, I think that's yours. I think Chris. that's mine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, guys. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye now. Bye. Check out all our shows exclusively on the Podstations.co.uk. Support the station by visiting patreon.com forward slash the Podstation. 